This is Lisa Nearing with another episode of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. This podcast is sponsored by the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network and True North Homeschool Academy. True North Homeschool Academy offers live online and self-paced courses that are dynamic, interactive, affordable, and fun. Our self-paced classes allow students to move at their own pace and include American Sign Language, Forensic Science, Veterinary Science, Biotechnology, 3D Modeling, Graphic Design, Culinary Arts, and Game Design. We also offer eBooks on various subjects, including Celebrate Sakut, on sale this month of October for only 99 cents. This is a great way to learn about the Biblical Feast of Tabernacles and gain greater understanding of God's Word. We also offer Biblical Hebrew and Modern Hebrew, taught live each week from Israel by Rabbi Arthur Fisher. Hebrew is on the critical languages list and looks great on a transcript. We have adult learners in the class as well, learning right alongside their high school classmates. This month, we've been focusing on the soft skill of critical thinking, and today we're joined by my husband, Dr. David Nearing, to talk about active listening skills and how they can help us all develop critical thinking skills, as well as more dynamic and robust relationships. As always, check out the show notes, which are full of resources. We'd love to hear from you, and as always, please download and share this podcast. And now, let's dive into another episode of Soft Skills 101. So this is Lisa Nearing back again with Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. And today I'm joined by my husband, Dr. David Nearing, who is here to talk to us about active listening skills and specifically in regards to critical thinking, what exactly are active listening skills and how do we utilize them in our family and how it will develop critical thinking. So David, really glad to have you back on the podcast. It's always great to be here, Lisa. I love sitting in on your podcast. This is a great way to, to reach people. I'm glad you're here. Let's just start off with the basics of what are active listening skills. Well, active listening skills contrast with passive listening. Passive listening is when uh, you're talking to a person, when, when we're talking to each other, and the person receiving the listening is just just kind of sitting there, taking it in, not really responding much. Uh, the The whole point of, of being active is what I call um, where – you hear me hearing you. You see me seeing you. You experience me experiencing you. It's a it's an engaged process of of giving verbal feedback to the person who's being listened to, and there's a, a real intentionality. It's done on purpose. It's not sort of by accident. It's being done with a real view to really engaging what the person is really trying to say as best as a listener can. I, I understand you know, Stephen Covey's review of it in uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, which is a really great soft skills textbook, incidentally, um, is uh, it's really the best where he talks about you know, seeking first to hear and then to be heard. That is active listening. Even though he disparages active listening, he then goes around and says what active listening really is supposed to be. Okay? <laughs> so, right. so he doesn't like active listening and then tells you what active listening really should be and then and talks about it, which is, again, seeking first to hear be uh, seeking first to understand and then then to be understood. Mm-hmm. So, are there certain? Is there a certain way to convey active listening to somebody else? Well, yeah, a number of things. the The first thing to to get clear about is is in your own head. Uh, a couple things. What is what is my purpose? Is my purpose to communicate ideas to the other person, or is my purpose to truly understand that that other person? 
not just what I think they mean, but what they really do mean. Not just does what they're saying make sense, but in what way might they make sense? How can I make sense out of what the other person is saying? And so the only way I can do that is first know that I'm there to do it. I'm not there to get my points across. I'm there to hear the other person. I'm not there to tell the other person how they're wrong or incorrect or or not understanding. I'm there to understand what they truly mean themselves. So the first thing is to be clear on my purpose. The second thing is to be aware of my own intensity, my emotions, my reactivity. And that's going to tend to be much more prominent when something is more important to me. I'm passionate about it. And also it's important to me when I'm talking to somebody who is important to me in something high stakes. We all know people in their families who can talk very politely and rationally to everybody at church outside their families, but when they get to their own families, they just can't seem to to communicate in in reasonable ways. So, you know, it talks about in James 3.13 where we, we are to be reasonable in our thinking with one another. And uh, when we are with family members, sometimes it's harder to be reasonable because we care so deeply, we're so invested, we're so passionate about it. And when that happens, our ability to really listen carefully and understand them will go out the window. And really, this gets back to really trying to understand someone's heart. Because um, it's easy to say things that we're not, we might not really mean, or some of us process out loud. And so it takes us a couple tries to get to the point of what we're really trying to say. But when we're active listening, we're really trying to hear the person's heart. Well, and we want to make sure we talk about gender differences here in a couple of minutes on that, because the point is to get to the heart, but how ladies tend to approach this, you know, as a general tendency and how guys tend to approach it as a general tendency or a bit different. You had asked about what we have to do to listen. One is to get clear in our own head. The secondly is who am I talking to? Is it a, a woman or is it a man? Is it a child? Is it an adult? And, and what, how effective are they going to be to really get their understanding right the first time? They're, they may need several times. But the third thing are the technical actions of listening, looking at a person, opening my body language up so that my arms are open, my legs might be uh, either open or crossed in a way that's non-defensive, kind of lean into them a little bit but not into their space. Uh, what's most important is direct eye contact. Um, facing them, not being preoccupied with some other kinds of things, but giving the person my full undivided attention, and and then saying things back to them that I'm hearing. First, starting with just the simple content, and but getting away from that fairly quickly. And you you don't want to parrot a person for very long unless it's really tense. In which case, it's important then if things are getting really tense then it's important to stay pretty close to what the person literally is saying. But as soon as you can, it's important if things begin to sort of calm down just a bit, try to identify some of the emotions, identify what they feel. Think about the times when you've gone through something similar. Think about how you felt and then describe that to yourself in your head and ask it as a question. That's called empathizing, showing empathy towards the other person by using your own experience to find something similar, but respect them enough to ask them as a question. So identify those emotions and then get to what is it they seem like they mean, and then check that out as well. Is this what you mean? So I, I hear that you're, you're upset about my picking you up 10, 15 minutes late, and that, that feels like I, I don't really regard or, or 
care about you. It seems like I'm not even think showing consideration for you as a person and you feel really disregarded. Is that what you mean? And so I add that question at the end to clarify the, 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 the interpretation that I'm giving. That's really looking to be careful to listen and hear what not, not what I think they mean, but what they mean. And so really what you're talking about, I mean, I'm just thinking about this in terms of we live in this digital age where it's, it's not uncommon to go to a restaurant and see people at a table together where everyone's looking at their phone, not at each other. And that's part of the point of this podcast is real soft skills in a digital age, because here we are using tech to convey something that's meaningful and important. So we love tech, but it's really being intentional about how we use it, not letting us, not letting the tech take over our lives to the point where we're disregarding each other. And when we're really active listening, we need to put down the devices so that we can see each other, make eye contact, respond to each other, check each other's body content and position and what our tones are saying and all those kind of things, if we're distracted by a phone or a tablet, it's going to be much harder to actually listen to each other. Well, here's a simple application of this. When I'm talking to somebody on a video conference like this, very often I look at the camera, not at the picture of the person. And so that gives the sense that I'm listening and talking to that person. I'm adapting to the technology keeping in mind what is really decidedly authentic and low-tech, that is eye contact between people. And so it's really important to do that in real, authentic, real-life conversations, is I'm not looking at a phone, I'm not looking at the television blaring in the corner, uh, I'm not listening to some music, I'm listening to that person, looking at that person, hearing that person, and that's the reason why I tend to hang out at eating uh, places and coffee joints that don't have televisions. Mm -hmm. Right. Because they're so distracting. So again, active listening is I see you seeing me. I hear you hearing me. And in order to see and hear another person, we actually have to look at them and listen to them. <laughs> it seems <Indeed>. so basic. <laughs> right. Right. But, you, but there's that third part is really, really important. I experience you experiencing me. You know, that's that's critical. There's a sense that I am being known and I'm knowing you and and there is I'm paying attention to your facial expressions, the timing, the timbre, a lot of those things. In fact, a lot of people become uncomfortable with real conversations because it feels too close, too intimate when they're spending all their time in digital communication and they're overwhelmed by all that and confused. Uh, by what's what the other person is showing because they're losing the capacity to interpret facial cues and, and tonal cues and, and prosody and things of that nature. I mean, I, I know for me, even something as simple as getting the timing right in conversations, I know I'm not quite as good at that as I used to be because of like texting. Uh, texting, you don't have to wait to see if the person's going to respond and frequently ended up with two conversations going on in a single text precisely because there's no way to judge that. And right. then that begins to bleed over into other kind of conversations. So it's important to have real authentic conversations if you really care about the contact. You know, I was talking to somebody who's quite a bit younger than I was today, just about this um, plague of loneliness. And you can read about it at like Harvard Business Review even, is talking about how loneliness is affecting communication and how people are interacting in business and stuff. And honestly, I think it, it really gets to that. We don't see each other a lot of times when we're communicating because of the ease of text or 
the ease of emailing, we don't, we miss out on people's human voice and seeing the person when we are engaged in communicating with each other. Well, and even, even in a lot of families, people are so focused with the schedule, with the entertainment, with the next task, all these sorts of things that trying to take the time to experience one another as humans becomes burdensome and people get out of practice. They, they sit down at a meal with one another and they're not even able to have a real conversation. You know, the parent asks the, the child, hey, how was school? Fine. What'd you do? Nothing. Who'd you talk to? Nobody. I mean, the, the issue there is that the family is not used to engaging in a real authentic set of interactions. And the child is simply mirroring the fact that they're not used to this. It's mm -hmm. not something that is just a natural, normal part of the rhythm of the family because schedule and technology and all these things have uh, basically crowded out the ability to experience one another. Mm -hmm. So for that, you to experience me experiencing you. Mm -hmm. So how do how does active listening, how does this action of seeing someone else, hearing someone else, experience someone else, build critical thinking skills? How, why is that even important, conversation of critical thinking? Because it requires making, do making, it requires making fine differentiation in tone, in intensity, in timing, and also making uh, discriminating fine chains of meaning. You know, uh, so like if we're talking to each other, I'd really wish you'd do that, or I'd really wish you'd do that, or <laughs> I'd, I'd really wish you'd do that. I mean, my timbre and my tone is conveying something very different each time. And so the authentic act of listening is going to cause me to say to the first, are you feeling a little irritated? Or the second one, are you feeling kind of vulnerable? Or is it feels like you're feeling kind of nonchalant? And, and so being able to actually identify an emotion and with, with words on my part, which then gets to meaning. And so I can make fine, uh, discriminate fine chains of meaning based on emotions and, and differences in emotion. And that kind of brings us back to our earlier part, the differences between genders. My experiences, and this is a real generalization, it depends upon circumstance and intensity and stress, but a lot of times in, in relationship, women figure out what they mean by talking to their loved ones. They figure out what they want to say by saying it. Guys, on the other hand, again, as a vast generalization, figure out what they want to say, and then they go say it, okay? <laughs> so they, they, they've said, you know, they've figured out kind of what they say. It's sort of canned, and then they say it. Now, they might get into a position where the conversation gets them to a place where they hadn't thought about that. And that's where the guy wants to withdraw and go think about it some more to figure out what they want to say. Whereas the woman is saying, well, just figure out what you want to say while you're talking to me. Why do you have to go someplace? And the reason why is because he feels like he can't think about it. Okay. She's saying, well, why can't you think about it and interact? And the reason is because he doesn't do those two things at once. You see? And, and so that's where the breakdown between men and women can kind of come in if you're not alert to that. But by the same token, when the woman is processing out loud, she's helped by drawing these fine shades of meaning. Well, do you mean more angry or you mean more hurt? Are you feeling frustrated? Or are you feeling exasperated? And so being able to act of listening, it helps the other her think more clearly what she's trying to say and me to think more clearly about, you know, find distinctions in meaning, find distinctions in emotion and understand verbal cues and behavior much more effectively so that I'm more adept at using language. 
So my my ability to language uh, use language becomes far more powerful when I engage in conversations that are authentic and when I'd use a lot of good communication skills, such as active listening when I'm doing that kind of conversation. Actually, in a big box store this weekend, a big box bookstore, um, there's a whole section in the kids section on mindfulness. And there's actually an alphabet book on feelings, which I thought was really interesting because um, our last interview with Adam Prusian and teaching critical thinkings through literature, he mentioned when he was growing up, nobody talked about learning critical thinking skills. It was just part of the of the conversation, just by having a conversation you learn critical thinking skills. By having a good education, you learn critical thinking skills. There was just these things you did in life that taught you critical thinking skills. You knew if you were working on the farm and you put your hand in where a motor was running, that was, you were going to critically think about that so you didn't get your hand chopped off or whatever. I mean, it was a much more pragmatic kind of environment. Yeah, um, and probably, it, probably not critically think, probably just go screaming at right. that point would be the reaction. I, right, I agree. But, go ahead. But I was just thinking about when I saw that book at um, at the at the bookstore, a, a whole alphabet book of emotions. Um, because we can't we can't no longer identify emotions on our own. We need an alphabet book to teach us. It it just struck me that wow, um, this is what we've come to as a culture. Like we're like that's the whole point of mirroring with our little kids, right? They laugh, we laugh. We're engaged with them in this mirroring kind of interaction which active listening and everything is just an outgrowth of some of that well we have to name it so specifically yeah i mean we again the the conversation and communications becomes much more difficult and for a couple reasons it is because of the technology but because it is because of a multicultural approach like for instance in when we were young one didn't have critical thinking one just had an education if you read anything from the middle of the 20th century and you see good education, what they mean by that is critical thinking, okay? That's part of the package. You're right, as we, as, as the society got into the latter part of the 20th century, it became more important to talk about what good education was, namely critical thinking, because they started moving away from the culture. In culture, for instance, in my grandfather's time, a lot of emotions did not need commentary. It was expressed and people would say, you, in quotes, just knew. You just knew what people meant. And that's because the culture was very intact at the time, so there wasn't as much commentary needed on what was being communicated interpersonally. And, but as culture tends to break down, then they, we don't have those cultural tools for communicating meaning. So now we have to be much more painstaking about the exact language that we're doing so that we can communicate more effectively. I mean, it's 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 clear, but it it can be cumbersome, and and the but it comes necessary in order to understand each other. Otherwise, we're going to miss each other, and we miss out in real relationships. Mm -hmm. So, really having a having a multicultural um, environment um, that milieu is really interesting and intriguing. You have all sorts of different things to explore and understand, and um, and that's really good for brain development too. But with that you also miss out on some of the nuances of meaning that would become, that would just be known if you grew up in a culture that was just very similar. Well, there's an, it's not so much in growing up in the cultural environment. It's not so much growing up in the multicultural environment. It's not identifying and being immersed in a particular culture and then dealing with other cultures in that environment. It's the issue is that, 
again, young people don't really identify with the past and identify with the culture, identify with that history nearly as much as they would have in the past. And the reason is because they don't identify with the culture much at all. Okay. And, and it's the, not so much growing up in the multicultural environment. It's, it's the idea of not identifying with any particular ethnic group in a thorough way that causes that meaning to sort of begin to dissipate. So actually growing up in a multicultural environment with lots of different cultures, but clearly identifying with one actually give you, gives you the, the best of both worlds, both the ability to discriminate fine chains of meaning and also have broad understandings and perspectives due to that, that multicultural experience. Mm-hmm. But when that proceeds to the point where the person really isn't identifying with any particular culture, well, then the costs begin to outweigh the benefits and the trade-off begins to go in the other direction. Right. I'm going to list in the show notes what active listening skills are just based on the beginning of this this podcast and a couple of other um, just things to think about as uh, thinking about active listening. Any other things you want to just share before we go? Well, just simply understand that active listening skills is a skill to be practiced. It, it does take some difficulty. It's easier when you have less less uh, emotional conversations. So you can kind of make a game about it around the house by using active listening skills on just really simple things like, hey, could you, could you pass the sugar? Oh, I hear you saying you'd like me to pass the sugar. Yes, I hear you saying that I'm passing. You know, you can make a game and kind of have some fun with that in order to practice it when it's not so so crucial. But when you're having those crucial conversations, that's not the time to start learning those active listening skills. At that time, you're wanting to bring them online. So practice those skills in a lot of different settings. Secondly, understand it's going to be more difficult with more evocative, emotional, uh, meaningful, uh, important conversations where a person gets passionate, particularly with people that they are passionate with. And that's where often it's most important to have active listening, but it's also the hardest because one's own emotions become so uh, powerful that they can kind of, you know, flood the person and keep us from using those good skills. Okay. Not that you've ever seen me do this in my life, right? I know that would never happen. Right, Lisa? Okay. (laughs) Exactly. So, so understand that, that it's harder with the people that you care about. And thirdly, uh, understand that it, it can be very rich, but you have to take the time to take the time. This will take time. You have to set the time. You're not going to get this knocked out in five or 10 minutes. It's important to set the time aside to care for people that you will care about and to listen to them. Great. So is, are there any books? I know we mentioned Crucial Conversations um, back about six months ago when we did the podcast on communication. Are there any other books you would recommend um, that would speak specifically? I know the Stephen Covey, um, his whole thing of Seek First to Understand is good. Any other ones that come to mind for you? Well, when it comes to just the the simple books, you know, any any book, you, you will see conversations on communication either online or any book on, on relationships these, these days. It's sort of, um, uh, you know, all over the place. I remember I was trained on essential interviewing, but that's not really out there uh, much anymore. But I would say that your best books really are Covey's book and and Crucial Conversations are kind of the best ones to get started. And then looking around at other other kinds of, of resources, there's not a better one because 
active listening is kind of basic, honestly. You know, I think that sometimes, you know, you have to decide whether you're going to take short chunks of listening and then trade or one person just staying in the listener role. Uh, a lot of the conversations on listening will change their perspective on that, whether it's a, a short interchange before you exchange who's listening and, who, and who's disclosing, or it's a long listening to the person while the other person discloses. You'll see some differences on that. So try those different things and see what, what works best for you and look at the different uh, discussions about that and see kind of what makes the most sense to you. That's that's just sort of out. You're gonna have, just look up anything online for that. Uh, for just go online. Listening. It does. Yeah, it really does. It doesn't matter that much um, because the act of listening stuff is pretty standard. Just anything you find out there is fine. Oh, so actually, they could just Google the listeners can just Google active listening skills and probably come up with some stuff. Exactly. Precisely. Just okay. do it yourself. Do it yourself, and you'll okay, find. Okay. So it. DIY how to active listen. Got it. Exactly. <laughs> right. Okay. Awesome. Okay, so as always, we'll have extensive show notes, and thanks for joining us this week, David. I appreciate it. Always wonderful to work with you, uh, Lisa. We'll talk to you later. Thanks. Thank you for listening, downloading, and sharing this episode of Soft Skills 101, Life Skills for a Digital Age. This is Lisa Nearing from True North Homeschool Academy. Be sure to check out all the other great podcasts at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network, as well as our classes, ebooks, testing, and academic advising and career counseling at truenorthhomeschoolacademy.com. We'll see you next week as we begin to explore the soft skills of creativity on our journey, True North.